I want to welcome everyone to SaltCast. My name is Bob Turner, and I serve as the director of the Sunset Academy of Leadership Training, otherwise known as SALT. And today, we have a very special guest, a dear friend, uh, a young man that I've known for a number of years and very thankful to be associated with, Dean Meadows. Uh, welcome, Dean. What's going on, Bob? It's uh, good to be on the SaltCast. Well, I'm glad to have you on the SaltCast. Dean serves as the executive director of the Daily Apologist, and he has uh, pursued his educational field in the area of apologetics and got his master's degree in apologetics through Biola University and uh, is doing some incredible work, and I'm really looking forward to uh, just digging into a number of areas that I think are going to be really helpful for leaders in the church to know about apologetics. But where I want us to start is tell us a little bit about the Daily Apologist, when it got started, why you got it started, and and just what, what it does specifically. Right. So the Daily Apologist is a registered 501c3 nonprofit that's overseen by the Raleigh Church of Christ in Raleigh, North Carolina. And essentially what we do, there's two main pillars to our approach to apologetics. And the first piece is a hyper-focus on social media. Uh, because of where we are in culture, because of where young people are as far as screen time, uh, they are um, essentially everything that they get as far as information, <clears throat> whether that's stats, how to do stuff, relationships are all focused on uh, social media. So we're on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, YouTube. That's kind of where we focus our first piece. And then we also provide blogs and podcasts as well to give those free resources to young people. We answer tough objections to Christianity in a very systematic but simple way through that first pillar of what we do. The second thing that we've realized is that um, a lot of youth ministers, a lot of parents, a lot of campus ministers are not trained in apologetics. And so we provide another free resource called the, uh, the Daily Apologist Online Training Center in which we provide a free class right now in Apologetics 101 where you get a video for about 10 to 15 minutes, an interactive PDF that you can type in while the video is going, study question section, note-taking section. So by the time you go through all 13 videos, you've got material that you can study, but you can also uh, impart to uh, your students there. And so we're really excited also to announce, this might be the first announcement that we're making <laughs> about it, uh, that by the end of June, our second class on the historical defense of the resurrection will be out featuring uh, Bear Valley graduate uh, Aaron Johnson. So we are super excited about that. I've kind of got the little sneak peek to the videos, and I am super excited about uh, that class. So that's essentially what we do. And really the way that this all came about is through a young lady by the name of Kaylee Clary. I've known Kaylee uh, for over a decade. Right. And Kaylee um, was essentially your prototypical, solid Christian woman that grew right. up in the church her entire life. Parents were there as they walked through the door. You, you name it, uh, youth rally, conference, Bible camp, Bible study. She was there. And so she graduated and she went off to the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. And she took a class called Jesus in Film with a gentleman by the name of Bart Ehrman. 
Right. And Bart Ehrman, for those of you who may not know, wrote a best-selling book called um, Misquoting Jesus, the story of who changed the Bible and why. Wow. And so I was sitting as a full-time minister at the Gastonia Church of Christ one afternoon. And the way that our relationship worked, I was like a big brother. So I called her, checked it up on her, make sure she was doing well. Rarely did Kaylee call me and ask me how I was doing, right? That's just the way big brother right. um, works. So uh, I get this call at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and it's Kaylee. And I'm shocked. I'm like, okay, well, uh, this is either a, a boy problem or this is... <laughs> Uh, a spiritual problem and the Marine Corps, for those of you who may not know my background is the Marine Corps for six years, the Marine Corps has given me the tools to handle the boy, right? <laughs> I can handle the boy problem. Uh, and so she called me and she said, uh, Dean, I, I'm not sure about Christianity anymore. And that was her first class, mm -hmm. first semester of her first year in college. Wow. And so I was just shocked. Wishing it had been the boy. <laughs> right. Wishing it had been. Well, I would take the boy problem immediately. I said, so what's going on? And she was like, well, I'm taking this course called Jesus in Film. And um, it's not just about how Hollywood has portrayed Jesus in film. There's a lot of things that the professor is talking about. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, well, let's sit down. You've got class Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Let's talk every day after class about what was taught. Mm. And at the time, I was at Biola University taking Scripture, Canon, Authority, and we were studying Bart Ehrman. Oh, <laughs> so, good timing. Good timing, right? And so we got through that, and she's still faithful today. Um, but what I realized is... Two things. One, not every college student has somebody in a master's program in apologetics that they can just pick right. up the phone and talk to. And then the next question I asked is, how is it that this local congregation that is sound, that is active, has invested 18 years in developing this young woman? And it takes one semester, one class, first year. To just start to deconstruct that. And the answer that I got is that um, parents, youth ministers, ministers, elders, deacons, all the way down the line, they're not prepared. Right. And so that's where I said, okay, well, we've got, I've got to do something. And so I just said, okay, well, let's survey the landscape of apologetics in the church and let's see if there are any blind spots and then let's adapt our apologetics to meet that niche. Mm. And so we've got, you know, we've had a great foundation in apologetics that's been laid by apologetics press, um, the Warren Apologetics Center, uh, Focus Press, all of those have obviously, you know, come before the Daily Apologists and have done such a great job in their, in their spaces. Right. But one thing that we noticed was, um, there's not a lot of hyper-focus on social media, and there's not a hyper-focus on training. So don't get me wrong. I love a seminar. Uh, they are informative. They wet the palate of people. They get people excited. Right. But you can't train a youth minister in a weekend 
doing a seminar. I don't care what the topic is. Right. I don't care if it's personal evangelism, right? <laughs> uh, it, or, or even leadership that, that, that you are an expert in. It's just not possible to do right. that in a weekend. And so that's where we have focused our attention is meeting that need. And, and have done a great job. I really love the material I see you put out well, on social well, media. And uh, I think it's important for us to take a moment and let you kind of explain some of the statistics to, you know, one of the things that I do, and, and I try not to shock people when I go in and try to tell them about the situation right. of leadership in the church. And, and at the same time, there needs to be a shock factor. And I think it's important for the people who are listening to the, to the SALTcast to think about, okay, why this is so needed today. Right. So there are just uh, so many, so many stats. Um, let, I'll just take a, a minute and just look globally for a second. In 2015, there was a National Geographic survey uh, of world religion and the fastest growing religious groups uh, in the world. And so you, what you have there is across the board, mm-hmm. the fastest growing religious group in the world are what are what are called nuns, N-O-N-E-S, people who have no spiritual affiliation. Right. And so <clears throat> you see that drastically increase in Western Europe because it's mostly sec- secularized. But even in Northern Africa, where we have sent missionaries um, for the last 30 years, um, the second highest or the, the highest, the fastest growing group are nuns in Australia. Right. It's there in North America. It's there even down in South America where the, where the Catholic church has a stronghold in South America in places like Argentina, Peru, Brazil, nuns are exploding down there. So that's kind of the global analysis. Um, here in America, what we see is that as the nation gets younger, they're becoming more likely to be atheist and agnostic. So the Barna Group, which is a uh, religious uh, polling service, much like Pew Research, did a study back in 2018 basically saying, uh, who is Gen Z and what are they about? And what you'll see is that in the Gen Z group, one-third of Gen Zers are not sure who classifies Christian are not sure whether they can know if God exists. And then if you look at the group above them, millennials, my generation, 25, or excuse me, uh, yeah, 25% uh, or excuse me, a fourth of uh, uh, millennials believe that evangelism is a bad thing. Hmm. And then you look at the rise of atheism and agnosticism in America. Well, the number of people in Gen Z who classify as atheists or agnostics is two to three times that of the general population. So where, where 7% of the population identifies as atheists, 14% of Gen Zers will say, I identify as an atheist. And then we look at reasons why they're leaving the church. The number one reason why Gen Zers are leaving the church 
is because of the problem of evil, pain, and suffering. Right. They're asking the question, okay, you guys are telling me in the church that God is all loving. That, you know, 1 John 4, that God is love. Well, how can an all-loving, all-powerful God allow bad things to happen in the world? And the problem is we don't have the answer to that. We say things like, well, God just works in mysterious ways or just have faith. And what we've missed about Gen Z, which is a double-edged sword, is that we love them because in the workspace, in secular work, they're willing to ask questions about how things are done. But where we are disadvantaged in the faith space is they're willing to ask questions about why. And when they ask questions about why, we've been so trained to just say or talk about things in general mm-hmm. generalities. Right. They're going to reject that. They're going to reject it wholeheartedly. So those are just some of, uh, some of the stats about where we are uh, with Gen Z, with millennials, my age group. Um, uh, and they are radically different than, um, say, even Gen X or boomers. Uh, even when you look at cultural issues like, like abortion, um, like uh, sex, gender, and identity. These are all things that are playing a part as to why they are more skeptical now of religion, more skeptical now of Christianity than what took place 30 years ago. And so if we don't provide really good answers as to why, uh, you know, how do I reconcile Christianity with issues of sex, gender, and identity? If I don't have a good answer for that, if I just say have faith, or if I just say, you know, that's just what the Bible says, they're going to reject that right, wrong, or indifferent. Sure. Well, and you know, I can't help but think that as someone who's older in the church and having grown up in the church and and heard many of those same answers, there's a big disconnect between my generation and even the millennial generation, let alone the, the Gen Zers. And I think it's it's hard for leaders in the church to understand how they can connect to and, and relate to, which is why I love what the Daily Apologist is offering and doing to help congregations. So I'd like for you to explain just a little bit about where do you even begin? Where right. do you begin with this generation that's coming up and they're, they're hearing things, I mean, whether it's on television or in movies or their classes that they're going to school and, and they're learning all this information that's really discrediting Scripture and denying the existence of God, where do, where do you even begin with that? Right. And I think really um, what we have to do with the younger generation is really what I like to call the Act 17 model for engaging anybody uh, in this day and age where um, I've got to meet people where they are, even Gen Zers, so the gospel can change who they are. Mm-hmm. And in Act 17, that's exactly what Paul does. Paul surveys Athens. He knows that there are idols there. And so when he comes and he starts to talk to these people, notice the first thing that Paul doesn't do in Acts chapter 17. He doesn't say, well, you're going to hell in a handbasket uh, if you don't, if you don't uh, switch up, if you don't change. He says, no, I can see that you're very religious. And notice that throughout all of Acts 17, he doesn't quote one Old Testament passage. Right. Not one. 
he goes, well, your poets say. And then that's where he leaps off to make the connection to the gospel. So first thing that I need to know about, first thing, if I want to reach Gen Z, I've got to know Gen Z. And I'm not just talking statistics. I'm just talking behavior analysis. I have to be willing to go and meet them, talk to them, engage them, and and know who that person is on the other end, first and foremost. Because one of the things that Gen Z desperately needs and desires is relationship. Mm, yes. They are super focused on relationship. That is partially why they are so attracted to social media. Uh, because they can now connect with people who are literally thousands of miles away. So the first thing that I would do is I would say, I need to get to know that Gen Z person on the other end. Not just call them Gen Z. Okay, that's Michelle. Okay, that's Kaylee. Mm. All right, that's you know Jacob. And, and, and be relational with that person. Second thing I need to do is I need to be available for that person. These are just basic building blocks of relationship. So that when the time comes, when they come to me, and this, is, this has happened um, recently with me, um, there's, there's a young person who's saying, I have questions about homosexuality and Christianity. And basically the question is, um, if I'm gay... Am I going to hell? Now, I've got two ways to answer that question. I can just look at them and say, yeah. No doubt. Or I can ask the question that's really important, which is, okay, what do you think about Jesus? Because ultimately, what you think about Jesus answers this question that you're talking about with regards to being gay. And so I've met them where they are, and now I'm asking the question that moves the topic from, um, you know, you know, that's probably going to be the most shocking to them about heaven and hell to, okay, before we even get to heaven and hell, what do you think about Jesus? All right. Do you think that Jesus was a historical person? Do you think the New Testament accurately depicts a historical figure. Right. So that's where I would start. Or even before that, you know, do you think that God exists? Right? So, all right, before we talk about if I'm gay and I'm going to hell, do you believe that God exists? Right. Okay, you believe that God exists. Okay, do you think that Jesus is what Scripture depicts him as? Right. And so I follow that line of thought, that that train of thought, so that it's not just me opening up my Bible and saying, see, there it is right there. And you just need to believe that because it's right there. Sure. You need to believe the Bible because it's the Bible. Well, what if, what if that Gen Zer doesn't believe that the Bible is inspired? <laughs> yeah. What if, that, what if they don't think that it's historically reliable? Well, I've got, I have to do work in that area so that we can answer this question over here, which is radically different than what happened 30 or 40 years ago. 30 or 40 years ago, it was just about who's got the right interpretation of this this specific passage. Now it's, all right, we're talking about sex, gender, and identity here. Do you think that God exists? Does God dictate to us or give us foundational principles that, one, move us into a relationship with him, but also gives us principles that are in the best 
interest for our life? Right. That's the foundational question. Sure. And that's where I start. Do you believe in God? Yeah. All right. Do you believe that scripture is historically reliable? Well, I'm not sure. Okay, let's do work there. Yeah. And then just move down the line. Okay, you think scripture is historically reliable? Awesome. So what does it mean then if it's historically reliable about this passage that speaks to sex, gender, and identity? So I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, you know, I probably should have started with this next question. (laughs) But uh, since I didn't start with it, I think it's going to fit well here. Um, When I was uh, my first years of education in ministry, we had a course in Christian evidences. And the focus of that was really dealing with uh, the creational evidence. We did talk about fulfilled prophecy. We talked about the inspiration, authenticity, and authority of Scripture, uh, the proof of the resurrection, that kind of stuff. But when I think of apologetics, I think of apologetics as being a little bit more broad Mm -hmm. uh, than just those areas. And I... And some of the things I hear you talking about involve uh, a moral factor that, that I, I, I didn't get when I studied Christian evidences. Uh, but I think it fits into the category of apologetics. Could you expound a little bit about not necessarily the differences between the two, but kind of the whole of what apologetics deals with? Uh, right. Because I, I hear you talking about the resurrection. I hear you talking about moral areas. Right. So just give us a little bit of information right. in regards so, to that. So in general, apologetics is the defense, uh, or excuse me, Christian apologetics is the defense of the Christian worldview. First Peter 3.15 is where we'd get that from. And so what's so unique about apologetics in particular, and I think Christian evidences would be housed you know, under this broad umbrella, is that it takes... Um, different disciplines and utilizes those disciplines to defend the Christian worldview. So whereas Christian evidences that you have described may just focus on say the creation model or young earth creationism um, or the defense of the resurrection, um, that's still apologetics, but it, but it's a, I guess I would say a narrower form of apologetics, whereas the broad spectrum of Christian apologetics would deal in things like, would include uh, what you've just described, but also things like uh, history, philosophy of religion. Um, Science would definitely be in one of those. Might even take uh, cosmology or physics uh, and integrate those and say, as we view and interact in the world, what are the raw data points that we can draw from the world and use those to make a defense of Christianity? And some of those are very broad that just deal in general theism, right? So, for instance, um, the Kalam cosmological argument has uh, Islamic roots. William Lane Craig comes along in 1979, updates it, and uses it for the defense of Christianity. So... Really, what you're talking about are there arguments that are just there for defending general theism, like the moral argument, like the fine-tuning of the universe, like the Kalam argument. Those would be called general arguments for theism. Now, where we get to Christian apologetics, they utilize those, but then we can move into more specific categories like historical reliability of the Old Testament, historical reliability of the New Testament, the case for the resurrection or the historical reliability of acts. 
So those are kind of, uh, that's kind of a synopsis of the broad spectrum of apologetics. And there are really two divisions of that. Cases for general theism that Jews, Muslims, and Christians would use. And then what you're talking about, Christian evidence is, all right, let's defend the creation model in Genesis. Let's talk about the historical reliability of Acts. Let's talk about the defense of the resurrection. So that's kind of how I would couch those two things. Okay, good. That's helpful to me, and I know there it's helpful go. to those who listen to. Uh, and so as, as we kind of wrap this up a little bit, I really want to turn our attention towards leaders in the church right. because I know that from congregations I've visited with and I know congregations that you've worked with and talked to, there, there doesn't seem to be uh, as, I guess, an urgency is the term I'm thinking of as to why leaders need to know about apologetics and what they should be doing in the field of apologetics within the congregation to help prepare their young people for the world that they're going to face and the educational uh, background that they're going to get as they go through high school. I mean, this I know a lot of this is being taught even at young ages mm-hmm. in elementary school no up through high school and then in, obviously in the college level. So what... What would you encourage leaders within a congregation to be thinking about that they can do, maybe steps that they can take to address the need and to help prepare not just them, but to prepare the congregation for these kinds of areas? No, I, I think that that's uh, the most important question that, that you've asked during, during, during our conversation because, um, unfortunately, too often when it comes to just our response to culture is often more uh, reactive than proactive. And I think there are at least a couple or more proactive steps that every congregation can take and every leader uh, and leadership and eldership can take. Um, Number one is uh, get somebody trained in apologetics locally. And there are always going to be people in a congregation and most congregations that's the apologetics nerd, okay? Right. Well, take that apologetics nerd and say, listen, we need you to develop curriculum, and we need you to teach that. And I would go one step further that whoever the education elder is or whoever the education deacon is, that apologetics has to be something that takes place every single year. One quarter should be dedicated to apologetics every single year, whether that's in the youth ministry area the student ministry area, or the campus ministry area. Apologetics has to take place every year. Um, That's number one. Get somebody trained in apologetics. Um, And some good resources to do that would be uh, William Lane Craig's book, uh, On Guard. Lee Strobel's A Case for Faith, A Case for Christ. You can make curriculum off of that. We have a free online training uh, that can take place. It's 13 videos average time on those is 15 minutes you got study questions and note-taking section that you can use um i would say another uh good book would be before you go on to the next okay, resource sorry, sorry tell them where they can go to get the daily apologist yeah material. so you would just go uh to the daily or the daily slash courses and you can log on for free you get your email a password and your course just drops right there into your okay. own account. And as we add courses, it'll just be right there free free in your account to get it. The only reason we ask for email is to give an update monthly on what we're doing. 
so that's a resource that um, uh, you know I'm obviously partial to. <laughs> well, I'm partial to. <laughs> so that's the reason I wanted you to tell yeah, them where they could get so it. Yeah, and so I think the other thing that um, you know, outside of getting somebody trained, I really think that elderships need to budget support for apologetics works. Um, I think a lot of the apologetics works that we have in the church um, are are great works that uh, I, I think I wish I could uh, you know take people behind the scenes about what goes into producing something like a 13 week video series and the fact that um, all these organizations need support and all these organizations um, you know essentially live or die by the support that they get. Sure. And if we're going to actively train members in the church to be basic apologists, then somebody's got to do that, but they need resources to help do that. So I'd say budget for that, whether that's uh, a seminar um, or uh, whether that's supporting uh, apologetics works throughout the church. I think that's another thing that has to happen. Maybe a more practical local thing that needs to happen is, um, you know, as you develop your educational curriculum from the time that they can crawl (laughs) to the time they get into high school, incorporate apologetics in your Bible uh, curriculum for young people. Where is the passage in scripture that says, well, they can only learn apologetics once they get to high school. I mean, think about the quality of student that you can produce if we integrate apologetics from the time they go to kindergarten to the time that they graduate. That student um, will be well prepared, will not experience, probably will not experience the shock value of college. It's not a safe fall against falling away, but the probability that that student will thrive at college as opposed to just barely surviving at college is exponentially increased if we make this a part of the church's lifeblood. And I would say that evangelism in the 21st century looks a whole lot like apologetics because that's where we are. Sure. And I think, you know, the last thing that I'll say is uh, elderships and leaders in the church can't be in denial about where we are. I think um, too many times we think that something like the 1940s or 50s is is going to take place, and that's kind of the uh, moral compass that we reside in, sure. and and we don't anymore. The days of, and and I may get in trouble for this, but that's fine. But the days of walking door to door and telling people that they need to believe because John 3:16 says so, are long gone. Yeah, and unless we prepare ourselves. Um, we're going to have a tough time converting people in the next 30 to 50 years. Sure. So that's my yeah. synopsis. Well, and I, and I can't even tell you how much I appreciate that and, and just appreciate you and the work you're doing and thankful to be a support of that. And, and thank you for taking time to visit with us today. And anytime, Bob. Anytime. Well, I, I fully am. I'm already intending to uh, do this again. And uh and maybe through a Zoom call where we can actually do some video where people can see you. But, awesome. Uh, just once again, if you would, tell people how they can contact you or to get material that they might be interested right. in. Right. So uh, we don't have any paper material because we're all online, so that's a benefit. And so all of our material, podcasts, blogs, videos, even on our website, there's some videos up 
uh, now of me calling into atheist talk shows and defending the faith. So that's kind of what I do. So uh, you can get all of that at thedailyapologist.com. Um, and then you can just click the link for the course on the right side of the web page. And uh, if you have a desire to get in contact with me personally, you can email me at thedailyapologist at gmail.com. And if you have a desire to support the work, it's right there on the webpage uh, as well. We take, and, you know, we have a PayPal account. So if uh, anybody wants to support the work, they're more than happy to, to do that. We don't require requests or have some type of, uh, you know, this is how much you're supposed to donate if you do that. If you donate a dollar, it'll be, it'll be well, uh, well received and put to good use. Sure. So. Well, and I will just reiterate that it is a work worth supporting and appreciate you. Appreciate all of our listeners. Thank you for tuning in and listening uh, today. And uh, I urge you to look at the website uh, that Dean mentioned at the Daily Apologist and uh, dig into that material. You won't be disappointed. Uh, their video material as well as their written material is first class. And so you won't be disappointed. But thank you again. And uh, we, we hope that things will continue to go well with the Daily Apologist and hopefully that leaders will see the urgency uh, and get behind that kind of work so that it can help uh, the next generation be prepared. So Amen. thanks again. No problem, Bob. God bless all.